Hi, and welcome to the Parent Guide to GCSE podcast, episode number 18. Today's guest is Tash Walker, and she'll be talking about gender and sexuality as part of our difficult but important conversation series. This was originally broadcast as a live StreamYard event. Evening, everybody. Uh, so we are here today for another one in our series of difficult but important conversations to have with your child. And today we are talking about gender and sexuality and we have the very lovely Tash Walker with us. Um, Tash, do you want to um, kind of say hi, introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, uh, sure. You. Hi everyone, um, I'm Tash Walker, my pronouns are she and they, um, and I'm one of the co-chairs of Switchboard, uh, the LGBT plus helpline. Uh, just to give you an idea of what that is, um, it's a helpline open to anyone who wants to talk about gender identity, sexuality, emotional well-being and sexual health. And we open 10am till 10pm, 365 days a year, and you can get in touch on the number below or via our website for live chat or email. Fab. I shall leave that up for a little bit and ping between the two. Um, guys, if you've got questions as we go along, um, hi Ian, then uh, pop them in the comments and we will um, see what we can do to answer them. But I figure if we kick things off with um, something that I'm guessing people are going to be asking about after your introduction, let's talk pronouns first up because it's something I'm seeing lots more of on social media. Um, what do we need to know as parents? Yeah, for sure. So when I introduced myself then, I said Tash and my pronouns are she and they. And what that's doing is it's opening up um, a situation and uh, a space so that anyone else who I'm introducing myself to, who feels like they want to share their pronouns, maybe their pronouns aren't as obvious as lots of other people's or the traditional sense of pronouns, that binary she and her, they then know that they are able to t tell me their pronouns. But what's really important is that they're not the person who has to go first because what we're trying to do is to open up a world of acceptance. And so I guess to sort of talk about what that means in terms of pronouns, it basically means that if someone's gender identity is not how they necessarily express themselves or how we would uh, interpret them to be, then maybe the pronouns that are given to the binary way of thinking male and female um, aren't comfortable with them. So they may say, that they, let's for example, say that someone was assigned male at birth, but they are, they consider themselves to be a trans woman and they use the pronouns she and her. It's really important as part of the process of anyone's transition or anyone's experience of expression that we use the pronouns that that person feels comfortable with. And that's really all it's about. And just by doing it as someone who maybe isn't transgender, uh, just opens up that nice safe space to say, hey, I get it. I understand this is what I want to be called what do you want to be called but also at one point to remember actually which is is really worth noting is that um it, it's only for people who feel comfortable to share their pronouns not everyone always does so um you know it's really great if I don't know for example you were hosting uh, a party or you had name tags uh, people could put their name and you could suggest that other people put their pronouns not that they have to because we don't want to force anyone to do that so I went off a little bit on that one, but yeah, you get the idea. No, really, really useful because it's something that I, th I think if you if you haven't had to think about it because you are very traditional and you don't have perhaps any friends who identify themselves differently than they would perhaps be identified by everybody else, then it's not something you really think about. It's, um, you know, we're, I think we're all at a point now where seeing people on TV who are gay or bisexual or that's that's more normalized almost don't get me wrong 
there's still a lot of issues around it, I'm sure. But it's something that you do see now, whereas transgender people, not so much like there's there's bits, but not so much. So uh, you kind of that is something that is is more difficult to get your head around I think yeah Um, I think that's an interesting point as well bringing a media to it because I think that we are further along with the media representation of sexuality um I think it's it's still complicated and still a lot to go with representation you know not just making the story about someone coming out but someone being um an athlete and they just happen to be gay as well but what what is interesting around um representation of transgender in media is that it's often been a joke um, and the man dressing as a woman. And so, you know, as a way to sort of change that and move things forward, it's really great if we start with us here and now and we make that step, which shows we believe in equality. And actually on that note, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a great documentary called Disclosure on Netflix, which is all about transgender representation um, in TV and film, and it's amazing. So I recommend that to anyone who who wants to learn more. but while you were while you were just saying something, it just reminded me um, the the pronoun side of stuff. So a really great way to maybe explain how it feels to be misgendered. So that's using the wrong pronoun is to think about how you would feel if someone used the opposite pronoun that that you feel comfortable with. So if someone called me he, how would I feel about that? Maybe I wouldn't feel particularly great and a bit confused. So I think that's the sort of key to it. Yeah, I was I was trying to think about this earlier and about the kind of questions that people get because obviously it's not something I've experienced so I don't know I'm going from what I've seen in the media um but I was thinking it might be something vaguely along the lines of although quite a lot more serious than me so last just over a year ago I decided I was going to be a vegetarian for no particular reason and since then I you know I don't necessarily mention it to people unless I need to because it's not really any of their business. But if I do, I've had the odd few people who've gone, really? Mm. Oh, no, no meat at all. Not, not even bacon sandwiches. Like, no, just, and because it's not something they've ever thought about or understood, I've got that almost accusation. Like, how can you, but I, and I feel like that that might be a similar sort of feeling that because we don't understand, like, really, you've never even, or, oh, but you you feel like this about this because we haven't done it ourselves. And that that I think is a lot of what the pressure is with um, with talking to our kids about stuff because we we don't know because we haven't felt it. So mm-hmm. having the conversations with them and opening up that dialogue about stuff is a bit challenging. It feels a bit weird, I'd imagine, to start a conversation. How would you deal with something if your friend suddenly announced that they were because it's a bit out of the blue, whereas by the time their friend has announced something, if they've responded really badly, it's going to be too late because odds are mm. there'll be someone that they talk to who is going through something related to their gender or sexuality, whether everybody knows that or not. And the way that they approach it is going to be challenging. I mean, I know from teaching lots of teenage boys, we've had uh, lots and lots of discussions about how using the word gay to describe something insultingly is not cool. And here's why. And they're like, but I don't, but why? Because (laughs) some people are, and therefore you're using them as an insult. It's not okay. It's, It's difficult to get that in people's heads from from my experience. So is there a 
I mean, you've mentioned the, the documentary. Would that be a good sort of starting point to start those kind of conversations? Yeah, I mean, what, yeah, I mean, watching that with, you know, children or well, teenagers would be a really great way to have the conversations, because what it's doing is it's sharing people's stories and their experiences. And you know what, we don't know what it feels like to be anyone else but ourselves. And that could be the same for two transgender people, that could be the same for two gay people. No one knows how anyone else feels, you just know how you feel. And really, what it's about is becoming a good ally because actually that's all we really need to do, isn't it? Approach everyone with kindness and understanding and you've got a, you've got a perfect world. But, but I think that what you're sort of hitting the nail on here is really interesting. It's like, how can parents set the right example, but also how can they help their children to understand better? And I think it is, I think it's by leading. So, you know, you've, you've already touched on this thing of feeling, when, when, when we start to learn about something, when we start to, understand something that's different or we we encounter something that's different whether it's vegetarianism you know whether it's a different culture different sexuality gender identity it's it's different and that scares us so because we don't know we immediately go to fear and fear is exclusion whereas actually the first step to being a good ally or understanding anything is to say you know what this is going to be hard I'm going to find it uncomfortable because it's challenging my entire my entire life worth of societal understanding and upbringing which is all very traditional and binary you know depending on how old you are this is going to be difficult and I'm going to have to learn I'm going to have to confront myself but by doing that and showing that to your children that's huge that's so powerful you're saying to your kids you know what it's okay to to not understand something just take your time and really at the end of the day how do you support people who are not like you you empathize you listen you give space you're open-minded and you learn and don't be afraid to make mistakes. And I think that's that goes back to what we were talking about with the pronouns. Someone tells you their pronouns, you get them wrong. It was, an, it was a mistake, apologize, move on, try again. It's not a big deal. And I think that is really the first step to, to really educating yourself first in order to really educate your children. You know, it's, and doing that together, I think is brilliant. You know, if, some, if your child has a friend who's come out to them and they confide in you about it, answer the questions that you can answer. But if you can't, just do that research together, learn together. I think, I think that's really, that would be a really amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. And I like what you said about the whole, don't be afraid to make the mistakes because that is what I would be worried about. And mm. um, my, my only real experience in terms of pronouns is there was a student that I taught way back when who um, identified as male, but um, his parents were separated and one parent was quite supportive and the other one was not so supportive so as teachers we had to be super careful about how we described said child in any kind of written communication or verbal communication with parents because you were never quite sure which parent it would get to and whether they were then going to be offended or not and so it was they were some of the most carefully worded emails I've ever written I think because it's it's challenging and it's it's habit as well we we yeah. have a friend whose uh, son decided he didn't want to be William anymore we'd known him as William since he was very very tiny he decided he wanted to be Billy and that was it it's only a contraction of his name could I cope with that <laughs> he was I kept I kept calling him William and he just very gently is Billy now and and I think that's it, the same sort of thing we've got to just not beat ourselves up over it and keep trying because so long as we're trying that's the best we can do there right 
and if we can get that message across that you've so long as you're you're understanding and you're doing your best we're not going to be perfect and everybody knows that and that's okay i reckon yeah totally totally <laughs> i think that's a that's a good tip i just sort of when talking about the pronoun side of stuff is that just use a person's name if you don't know mm. what their pronouns are or use a gender neutral pronoun like they and them um and it's reminded me of something else as well you know like that question that lots of younger kids maybe ask not not so much older children but um i've got a little niece and she would you know i can imagine her saying is that a boy or a girl is that a man or a woman and actually there's something really small in the way that you answer that kind of question that maybe sets the tone and and you could just say instead of saying oh that's a man or that's a woman you could just say you know what i i don't know you know it's sometimes it's hard to tell what someone's whether they're a man or a woman from when we look at them so we just have to see what they say or you know that it, it's about changing our but you know you've touched on it it's about changing this sort of really hard-coded historical narrative of of uh yeah male male female boy girl man woman wife husband you know it's breaking down all of these barriers but we're all doing it too you know and um what the you know what's it called so it's called the lgbtqia plus communities now this is the acronym acronym that's the moment I can explain what that that those mean. Please do. Um, lots of letters. <laughs> yeah, great. It's a lot of letters. So it used to be gay, right? Back in the well, it was probably a lot of things before then. But the first emergent emergement of that was in the late sixties, gay. And then you had lesbian, and then it became lesbian, gay, bisexual, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and then the I and the A stand for intersex and asexual, and the plus signifies everyone else um, who doesn't identify. Uh, as cisgender, and I'll explain what that means in a second, and also, um, yes, yeah, so cisgendered and heterosexual. So uh, so I think my point there really was, is that we're evolving as a community as well. And so that's the idea, isn't it? As society, we all evolve, as humans, we evolve. And so we're still learning what those languages and uh, different versions of things mean, and, um, and, and so is everyone else. So we're all in this together, really. Um, that's, that's the key thing yeah so um so talk us through cisgender yeah and yeah yeah so like gender gender terms there's quite a lot of gender different gender terms and they can get really really confusing especially when we're talking about sex or gender or sexuality or gender expression it's all really it can get really overwhelming um but what cisgender means is basically that the person identifies with the sex that they were assigned at birth so if someone was uh, born and they were assigned male at birth and they see themselves as male now, then they'd be called cisgender. And I guess it's probably worth explaining why that's a really important term. Um, you know, why don't we just call it normal, for example? Um, well, it's because there's no normal. There is no correct way of being. We're all on this wonderful spectrum of sexuality and gender identity. Um, and that can be expressed in different ways. Um, and, you know, through different things, you know, one day we could wake up and you could feel a lot more masculine or the definition that we understand of masculine. Another day is a bit more feminine. Um, so having cisgender as a term allows us to, to recognize that cisgender is one way of being, but transgender is also another way of being. So there's not just the normal and the other, it's balanced. Yeah, definitely very important, I think. Um, so in terms of, 
I guess for parents, I'm thinking that the reason that they might want to have these conversations with their kids would be either because their child is in some way going through an issue related to their, their gender or their sexuality, or their friends are in some way going through something similar. So things like, um, you know, when they start a new school and they discover they've got a classmate who has two mums or something along, you know, those kind of things. So it's, I think they're, they're kind of two separate situations. The it's okay to be who you are conversation and the it's okay for other people to be who they are. Let's just make sure we understand and stay open-minded kind of conversation. Mm. So it's, it's tricky. Is there, but I'm just wondering whether there's a good reason to start the conversation. If you think that perhaps your child might be going through some kind of changes that are making them wonder and they're not sure whether they want to say something, you know, you, you hear quite often, kids are coming out and their parents are like yeah we knew that it's okay. yeah we need to be stressing about it we knew so when yeah. The, yeah I think that's a wonderful way to put it you know don't wait for the child to come out to you um don't necessarily try and out your child either by saying <laughs> you know are you gay not with that you know if that feels appropriate then that's fine you know you have the judgment between the parent child relationship which is really individual and unique to those people but I think it's about celebrating differences, celebrating diversity. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any any age too young to start sharing. You get these wonderful kids books now where it is the kid with two mums or there's a kid who doesn't want to be a boy or a girl. And that's a really great starting point. Um, that's so fantastic that they're around now. But I think that setting examples to your children by talking about different stories that you've read in the news, like celebrating good uh, advances in politics to do with sexuality and gender identity, expressing it in those ways which aren't directed at the child, but le letting them know that, hey, I, I, I believe in equality and I believe that no matter what your sexuality or gender identity is, that you know, you're still my kid, we're all equal. And I think that a lot can be said, and it sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in, in setting that example for your child so if someone in your family or a colleague or a friend says something that that is offensive maybe to someone's sexuality or gender identity or race or culture or any marginalized community that you don't just let it go and laugh it off and just say oh that's so and so that you say in a calm and kind way because we're all learning that actually, I, I, you know, I don't feel very comfortable with you using that term, but for these reasons, or I don't, you know, maybe we shouldn't use that term anymore. That joke's not actually funny. Um, and immediately then your child sees that you stand up for those people. And so that, that opens up that channel of communication. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, I think we find ourselves doing that when it happens on TV as well, because that's something that we, we see. Mm. That's not all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. really good. Um, we have a question that's come in oh, okay, cool. um, from Ian. You just have to kind of, for the live, you have to sit up slightly so they can see you over the top of the question. Okay. But, um, <laughs> so um, my 16-year-old son came out a few weeks ago. We're very proud of how he and his friends have dealt with this. He seems much happier in himself now. He starts sixth form at a new school in September. As parents, what should we look out for and advise him on in this new unfamiliar environment? He has a few friends who'll be there with him, so he does have a support network in place, but I know he'll be nervous initially. 
Oh, that's well, that's a lovely message, Ian. And it's great to hear that you're so supportive of your son. And that's great that your son's so much happier now as well. That's a really lovely, that's a really lovely story to hear. But you know, starting a new environment is complicated. And that's something that lots of LGBT people can find overwhelming because it means that we have to come out again, which in itself, you think you have to just come out once and then you're done. But no, every time you meet someone new and they want to learn a bit more about you, then you have to come out. So, I mean, what I would say uh, is the best thing to do is to, you know, it sounds like you're a fantastic parent already, but to, to say that you're proud of who he is and you're 100% behind him and, and what he believes and, and what his sexuality is but that he doesn't have to come out unless he feels he's ready to, to anyone. So he doesn't have to go into that school, you know, with a rainbow flag flying from sight. I mean, he can if he wants, that's fantastic. But it's all a very personal experience. And if he's ready to and he feels comfortable with people, then by all means, you know, he can tell them that he's gay. But if he doesn't feel able to or feel like he's quite ready to yet, then that's totally chill as well. It's all about his own time and his own steps. And it's great to hear that he's got friends who'll be supportive there um, with him. But I also think it's really important to let him know that if anyone says anything homophobic to him or receives any negative attention, that that is not okay, that he lets you know, lets his teachers know if he feels comfortable so that you can take the necessary steps to get that sorted. Um, but I, you know, it's, it sounds like he's got a fantastic family and a fantastic group of friends. So. I'm sure he'll be absolutely fine, but I remember I remember doing that. I came out around 15, 16. Um, and it is it is scary, but the older you get, it, it does it does get easier. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to think what we haven't covered yet. Hmm. I could I could talk a bit about uh, about more about how to be a good ally. Maybe that's oh, yes, that would be that would be, yes, Yeah, definitely. sure. So I think that um and this, I think, goes across everything, but I'll, I guess I'll speak to the sort of gender and sexuality side of things, that it's really important um, not only to, to challenge yourself first and foremost, but um, but to also talk to your children about stereotypes. You know, that those are really complicated things and they really embed lots of the negativity that we have around marginalised communities, um, especially sexuality and gender identity you know talk to them about how they can be really divisive and they don't tell the whole story of how someone is and you know again it goes back to that thing of it's the best way to explain anything is just to say how would you feel if you were judged on something based on this or that um it's always the easiest way i think to understand stuff which of course is empathy the second best thing of being um of being an ally but i think that um you know, we've talked a lot about language um, and, and, and comments and calling those things out. That's really, really important. But I think um, be, being open to learning about language, so learning about the right terms around gender identity and sexuality, what, what the LGBTQIA plus means, <laughs> and, you know, the longer it gets, the more letters it has. Um, you know, the more that we educate ourselves, the more that we can help educate those around us. And it has a wonderful, it can have a wonderful domino effect. And that's really, really important. I think um, when it comes to LGBTQ plus um, learnings, a really great thing that, that can be, that can be done to show allyship is to learn a lot about the, the fight for equality that LGBT people have been on. Um, and it's really, really young history and it's really exciting. It's got everything that you need. You've got police raids, you've got, you know, sex scandals. It's all in there. And, you know, it's it's a really fascinating, um, it's a really fascinating deep dive. 
into learning why the where the where the LGBT plus community is today, but also how far it's still got to go. Um, mm. if, uh, just a quick summary, a sort of starting point. It was only in 1967 that there was the partial decriminalization of homosexuality, um, and now you know in 2020 we we are working towards equality, but it's really it's a complicated thing. Um, and it's a definite learning process and it's something that we're all sort of trying to move forward with. Um, so I can I could uh, yeah recommend listening to a couple of podcasts on queer history and just reading and learning what you can. There's some amazing um, films on Netflix. Proud is a really great film. Um, oh, it's called Pride, actually. Uh, and it's the one about the lesbian and gays support the minors. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's um, it's a really good it's a really good film. Go check it out. But ultimately, just keep learning, listening um, and educating yourself and reflecting. Um, just that's that's the best thing any ally can do. Definitely. It's, it's pretty much the exact same things we were saying when we were talking about the, the Black Lives Matter movement. It's it's understanding. Mm from other people's points of view so that you can understand them better and you can be a better ally because if you haven't experienced it then you don't know what it feels like and so you can't properly empathize so the more that you can find out the better and, yeah. uh, and open yourself up to different opportunities to learn more yeah because it's not always something that will just present itself into your world sometimes you do have to go out and find out some stuff and uh, and that's a good thing. So you um you host the logbooks podcast. Yes, there you go. I didn't even have to do a shameless plug. You did it for me. <laughs> um, and what? Just tell us a little bit about uh, what you do on there and and how that might be useful. Yeah, for sure. So as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm the co-chair of Switchboard, which is an LGBT plus helpline. But we started back in 1974. So that was just off the back of that partial decriminalisation in 67 that I mentioned. And it was because um, as people were sort of talking about it more and the government were making these changes, people felt more able to sort of ask questions and reach out to know where the best nightclubs to go to, but also to talk about how it feels to come out and maybe are they gay or, or or whatever it was on their mind at the time. So Switchboard was born and that's still around today, 46 years later. But in my time at Switchboard, there's uh, I found these logbooks. So um, these were the written record of um, of entries that the volunteers took from the calls, calls that they took on the phone. And they go from 1974 to 2003. And they are an absolutely amazing uh, archival treasure. The best book I've ever read. Laughs, laughing one minute, crying the next. Um, you know, terrible jokes squiggled into the margins. Um, but also loads and loads of really heartfelt stories and most importantly, untold stories that, that are LGBT plus history. So um, I started working through these logbooks um, and reached out and started to interview people who volunteered for the charity, but also who called the charity um, and also people who lived through this period of time. Um, so season one is out now. It goes from 1974 to 1983. I'm working on season two right now, but um, it's definitely worth a listen. And it's uh, there's some really amazing stories in there that so much I learned so much um, as an LGBT plus person. Um, and I, and it's just, it, it's really amazing to hear hear it through the people that lived through that time. So yeah, if you want to learn more about LGBT history um, from the people who lived it, then uh, go check out the logbooks. Fabulous. Um, 
yeah stories are definitely the way to the way to do it i think the way to yeah. get to, to understand a little bit better from a real person's point of view rather than just in the abstract which is always a little bit more more tricky um i have another question also from ian who's very engaged i like it um sorry to ask another question it's fine you ask all the questions you like uh, do you find that the older generation are often less accepting my son hasn't come out to anyone else in our family i'm not sure how they'll react if he chooses to tell them at any point in the future yeah interesting one i think it really varies actually i i i mean if i speak from my personal experience um i i came out to my older generation and my mother's mum's side of the family are catholic as well and they couldn't have been more accepting and um encouraging of me and my expression of sexuality coming out as gay uh, and but i was nervous to come out to the older generation i think that um that it's best to remember that they grew up in a very different time and the world looked so different then and the you know than it does now they're obviously still here now uh, which means that they are aware but i think you know it's it's a slow process but um i i i haven't really come across I mean, it's all dependent on the individual of course but i think at the end of the day when it when people are coming out in families who are supported by their parents and they love the person who's coming out, then that doesn't leave. Maybe there might be some learnings there, some education that you might not need to help them with, maybe some initial comments that aren't particularly helpful. Um, but but I think it's worth, in his own time when he's ready, definitely having the conversation if he feels like he wants to with the rest of the family. Um, a good way to test it, and it's something I did with my grandfather, was to sort of bring up a story or a film about someone who was LGBT and just to see his reaction um before i actually did it myself so a little insider tip i don't know <laughs> oh, that is a good shout um and then another uh comment that's come through i've taught my kids to be kind around race gender and disabilities and they're brilliant um but now they're teaching me about gender the tables have turned on educating and i am very proud of them yeah uh, 100 percent yeah catherine i couldn't agree more i was um i was doing a session with a group of 16 to 18 year olds and uh i was explaining to them about gender identity and sexuality and they just went yeah we we know that like everyone's got their own gender identity and sexuality and i was like okay i'm done here then cool <laughs> they're amazing generation they're an amazing generation. we've got a lot to learn from them definitely yeah I think we forget because you get to our sort of age and you feel like you're still a teenager and you don't want to acknowledge that you're actually a grown up and you look at the next generation and you think they're really old. I'll, I'll never be quite that old. But then you realize that today's teenagers don't know what a Walkman was. And then you realize quite how big a gap it's been, which is why there's, you know, there's that much of a gap between us and them as there is between us and our parents. And you look at the way they, deal with some things as you said it was a very different time mm. and we look at that and think wow how yeah. strange that our kids are doing that with us so yeah. I think it's important to be open to uh, as you said to learn from them as well because yeah I'm sure they could teach me some stuff definitely it's a two-way street isn't it it's all about if you don't if you don't look back to history how can we make a more equal future so mm -hmm. there's a there's a route for both both generations in that yeah the tricky part is just is letting go of the need to be the expert i think yes. as a parent that's always so tempting because you were always their google when they were little they were like mum what's this oh and yeah well and you just make it up if needs be because they were too small to know but now you can't get away with that anymore and it's weird yeah yeah 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think let's, I'm just trying to think if we've had any other questions that we haven't covered yet, because while we've got you, we should make the most of you. Um, um, I just thought of something which might be helpful for parents. Um, there is something out there called the gender uh, bread person. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a really good way to explain the different types of differences between gender identity, gender expression, sexuality, sex, all those different things. It also comes in uh, the gender unicorn version. Um, I Can I share my screen on here? Because I might have one. Um, um, yes, I think you can. It gets a bit interesting if you're only on one screen. It's better with two, but give it a whirl. Okay, uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, okay. It sounds even better yeah. than the ninja bread men cutters that I got for making, you know, yeah. ninja shaped ninja bread men. I like it. Okay, I think we're in. So I've got some on my desktop, which I can show you. Okay, so let me just. Can you see that? that? There we go. Can you see this? Yep, that is there now on the phone. We are not anymore. <laughs> okay, great. So this is the gender unicorn. Um, and it's a really, really great tool to explain the differences between gender identity, expression, sex assigned at birth, who you're attracted to and emotionally attracted to. Um, and I'll show the other version, which is a gender bred person, which is this one here. Um, and it's sort of just it's, it's a lot of detail. We won't I won't go into it now, but two really good things to sort of learn more yourself. I, when I first came across it, I thought it was so interesting, but also to maybe help explain it um, to, to, to kids. Um, so I'll stop sharing my screen now, but just to give you a bit of an insight in that. Marvellous. Um, right. Sorry, just in time, I sprinted off. There's something going off next door and the cat's opened the door. Oh. <laughs> OK. Flash <laughs> over. Um, can you maybe send me those so I can oh, put yeah, them definitely. in the show notes and stuff, maybe, because that I think would be really helpful. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because it's it's feeling confident enough to have the conversations. That's why we started this whole series of, of podcasts, because feeling confident enough in the subject matter to start these conversations with your kids is is often it's often the reason that parents don't start these conversations with their kids because they don't know where to where to begin. Yeah. So with that kind of reference, that would be really, really useful. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And of course, if anyone's got any questions and they want to speak to someone before talking to their children, then you can just reach out to Switchboard, give us a call, and um, we're happy to talk through whatever the situation is or what might be a good way to explain something like those two designs I just showed you. Yeah, which uh, would be fab. I'm going to leave the, the Switchboard thing up for a little bit longer, I think. Now, I thought of another question. Oh, OK. Started talking and then it went again. So hang on. Let's just tear <laughs> it off. We'll see if it comes back. OK. No, it's gone. Um, we'll we'll talk about something else, and it'll come back to me. It'll be fine. Uh, so, we talked about the kind of the the tips and tricks for giving your child the the opening if they do need to have this kind of conversation with you, whether that's about themselves or whether that's about someone else. And it's uh, you know things like when something's on the TV, making a comment to the to the effect, oh yeah, okay, that's just you know, as if it's perfectly normal and, and we're okay with that, which can then open up the conversations. And we talked about being supportive of friends. Yeah. It's still not coming to me. And it was a really good question. Oh, how annoying. Um, Were there any other terms that you weren't sure about um, that might be helpful for me to explain? I 
don't know. Does anybody have any questions before, you know, I carry on making a wally of myself by having completely <laughs> forgotten what I was thinking about? Um, if you do, chuck them in. Um, oh, <laughs> it just won't come out. It's okay. I'll, no problem. We'll finish this and then I'll be like, ah, that was what it was. Um, no. Was it around um, supporting your children or having the conversations around sexuality and gender identity? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I think one, one, maybe one key, yeah, one key thing on everything in order to like explain something or, you know, uh, try and understand it better is that, you know, if, if no one is, if, if anyone, it's all about someone feeling safe. And that's really the key to all of this. Um, if you're kind to people, if you're open to hearing what they what they need in order to feel safe, then that's what acceptance really comes from. Um, and I think that's at the core of all of this. Uh, and it's it's amazing to to look at all of the different sexualities and gender identities that are out there, and this amazing, wonderful spectrum. Um, and it's just yeah, it's wonderful to have those people as part of our wider society, and and they should be celebrated, and diversity should be celebrated. Definitely. I've remembered what it was. Oh, okay, it great. Magic. And um, the the big kind of palaver that there was in the media recently mm. to do with all of this was largely to do with which bathroom do people use? Yeah, yeah. Seems a little bit overly dramatic, I, I think. I don't know. I can understand partially some people's points of view. Um, but what are your what are your thoughts on what we could do to make this a less stressful situation? Because I would imagine as a, a transgender person, that's going to make life quite complicated because I think yeah. we're all very aware in COVID times of just how many times we, for example, go out shopping and we want to use the toilets. And because we're suddenly more aware of that, if that was something that you had to deal with every single time you were out and about, that would obviously be quite a stressful situation. What are your yeah. thoughts on yeah, totally. A really, a really interesting point. You know, I think it goes back to that that key thing of safety. What makes someone feel safe? Um, and that goes to both sides of the of the the side of the argument. Um, but ultimately, no, not everywhere has gender neutral bathrooms. So imagine how that must feel for you. You don't have a bathroom that maybe speaks to you, depending on what your gender identity is or gender expression. Um, but I, I was reading an article a, a couple of weeks ago, which was written by a non-binary person. So that means that someone who doesn't see themselves as either male or female. Maybe they flip between the two. Maybe they don't see themselves as either a bit of both. It's also individual. But it's someone who doesn't identify as male or female bathrooms. Um, and this person, this journalist, um, was non-binary and they had a masculine exp gender expression. Um, so that could be they had short hair, they wore male clothes, um, you know, it, they didn't explain exactly, but they were out and there was a male and female toilet. So they chose to go into the female toilet and they overheard a child saying to their mum, mummy, why is that person in these toilets? And the way that the mum replied, I thought was really powerful. She said, well, I know that we're in the right toilet, so I'm going to trust that they're in the right toilets for them too. And that was it. Just wow. And I think that when people bring up these arguments around safety and sexual predatory uh, in relation to the bathroom arguments, um, you know, that's not actually talking about transgender people. That's talking about someone else, a different type of person. Um, 
these people just want to go to the toilet in somewhere that they feel safe. Uh, and I guess it's just about trusting everyone to make the right decision. Well, yeah, it's a bit like saying, well, I'm I'm never going out for a walk ever mm -hmm. again in case I run into someone who mugs me or attacks me. It's, it's, a, it's apples and oranges, It's which is why I didn't quite understand why there was quite such heat around mm -hmm. the argument. But I suppose for everything, there's... Uh, there's always going to be someone that's up in arms about it so yeah definitely and it comes back to that thing as well of, of the unknown or change which is scary um and I think as well lots of the heat may have come from people who fought for you know as strong active feminists who fought for rights and um you know we live in a different world to the world that we lived in then and it's really important as activists or people you just try to learn and, and change and evolve with society yeah and uh, and as you said just be open-minded be understanding and be kind yeah i think the the most powerful message you can give to your kids in relation to anything but particularly when it's something along these lines where otherwise it's too easy to say something thoughtless mm. i think that that's the thing that i heard most of when i was teaching was kids yeah. just saying something thoughtless which yeah. ended up being cruel because they hadn't thought about it when they didn't really mean to be mm. and uh, I think a lot of a lot of it was what was picked up from parents which is again why it's I think so important as a parent to talk to your child about these things in a positive way because when they can see and learn from you that you're being open-minded they tend to follow your lead with that so yeah I completely agree with that you know it, it just echoes the whole I guess a theme that we've had in this conversation is that you know children children are actually incredibly amazing at understanding very complex things much better than us and and they come into this world they're you know they're they're open and friendly and kind and understanding to everyone and when when a young person or a child expresses some negativity or hate that's learned behavior that's not understood behavior and yeah I think that that goes to the crux of it what you said Fab. well I think I've now officially run out of questions. We've got okay. more questions come in, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the switchboard number and site okay. up in case that's of use to anyone. And I'll make sure I get both of those uh, images and pop them in the show notes yeah. so that people can see those as well. Um, but I think oh, we have a comment. Ah, it's not a new question though. It is. <laughs> I thank you from Ian. Well, it's, I think it's important that we do because this is how we make a difference. These conversations, these opening up these conversations, these dialogues with your children, this is how we make a difference in the world. And, uh, you know, it just it is down to us to help make the next generation better than our generation was. Yes. Yeah. Keep the, the snowball growing. Definitely. That's uh, definitely the plan. So um, thank you so, so much, Tash. That was amazing. Like, well, thank you for having incredibly me. Incredibly useful. And uh, lots and lots of useful questions answered. Uh, hopefully that's given people lots to think about and, uh, and lots to, to then talk about with their children. So thank you ever so, ever so much. And um, I will catch all of you lovely people next time. Bye.